Well, I really don't care. Do you? It's been another bizarre week. If you've been following the news, it seems our world is mad, bad, and dangerous, and it's unrelenting. Maybe you saw the stories of detention centers, children forcibly removed from their parents, and a glimmer of hope, maybe, of a softening of something of love and compassion as the First Lady went to visit those centers. But then in the bizarre twist to the story, wearing a jacket with this logo on the back of it, I really don't care, do you? Well, you could become cynical. Where is love in this world? I'm going to encourage you this morning with a little video clip. There is love in the world. Let me show this to you. If technology delivers. Well, does that warm your heart? Is that beautiful? Well, is that what true love looks like? Played out as a public display. Is it tweetable? Is it postable? Well, in today's passage, as we look at it, the Holy Spirit inspires Luke to give us a powerful view of what real love looks like and where it comes from. You see, the, the divine dance of love played out. And we see that God really does care. On the cusp of barbecue season, the National Reserves of Marshmallows and Chocolate Digestives will be running at an all-time low. The air of South Belfast will be infused with the aroma of Marks and Spencer's finest Aberdeen Angus rump steaks sizzling on top of the range Weber barbecues. The raspberries will be plinking into Prosecco glasses. Wimbledon will be beaming onto the supersized screens 
in the garden room extensions. You ladies will be showing off Clarence Instatans. Blokes will be discussing the form of Neymar and the chances of England progressing to the next stage. It will be fabulous, darlings. Well, it's into a gathering like this that Luke transports us in our reading. A grand dinner party. Simon has a nice home. The tables will have been set. The wine will be flowing. The delicious smells of roasted meat and fresh baked bread will be wafting. And Simon, he's a good man. His friends are like him. They're working hard at being good as well. It's a gathering of spiritual people. Everything is clean. The rituals have been followed. The food is prepared properly. The crockery is washed and ready. It's all kosher. And he invites people who are not going to pollute or upset the gathering. He invites this young rabbi, Jesus, maybe to test him and to check out, is he sound or not? There may well have been people gathered around in the courtyard as well, where the guests were reclining, witnessing and learning from the conversations that were always part of such a meal. And as the great and good gather in, reclining there at the table, the most horrific thing that a host could imagine unfolds before his eyes. Can you imagine it? Everything tidy, running to schedule, keeping to the plan, and then all of a sudden in crashes this gritty woman who everyone knows is a sex worker in the city. And she makes a beeline straight towards your special guest. Can you just imagine Simon's anger, his shock and dismay, his feelings of revulsion at this uncleanest of individuals getting past the coded gate lock and crashing the party? The embarrassment of Jesus having to encounter such a person in his home. And now it goes from bad to worse. She kneels at the bottom of the couch where Jesus is lying and takes out this alabaster jar of perfume. And there she is wailing in floods of tears, her tears flowing down her cheeks and her chin and falling onto Jesus' feet. And now she's wiping them with her hair. She's kissing them and pouring perfume on them. Jesus What are you doing allowing this woman to behave in this way? To touch you, to embrace you, letting your hair down in public. It's like going topless. Loose hair equals loose women. Jesus, if you don't recognize how wicked this woman is, then what kind of prophet are you? Simon, he really didn't care about her. What about you, Jesus? For Simon, all he wanted was for her to be out of his home. And yet here is Simon witnessing an incredible love story. He just can't see it. And Luke is giving us an incredibly compelling view of what love looks like. 
a view of what true love means. Love means that she is willing to humiliate herself, to go into the very place where she knows that she will be judged and found to fall way beyond the standard of righteousness that's demanded by the upright and good people of that time. This woman is willing to let her emotions be laid bare to the watching crowd. She is willing to humble herself to kneel and wipe Jesus' dirty feet with her own tears and her hair. She is willing to take what is probably her life savings in the form of beautiful fragrance and lavish it on Jesus' feet to throw away any remaining dignity and give everything she is to this man. Where does love like that come from? Love has come into her life. All the brokenness of her life has been made whole. Hope and purpose has replaced hopelessness. The story of her life has been rewritten. She has discovered forgiveness and grace and acceptance and love that has been given to her by Jesus. She is overwhelmed by the love of Jesus. So much so, all she can do is to give her everything to him in return. What about Simon? What's his love story? What does the Holy Spirit reveal about him? Who do you love, Simon? Well, we see he loves himself. He's a self-made man. He's done it. He's kept the rules. He's morally upright. He shows up at church. He's doing the right things in the right way with the right people. He loves the clean people, the people he's hanging out with. He loves his own righteousness. He really loves it. He clearly doesn't love this woman. He finds her offensive. As this lady completely loses it at his dinner party, Simon sees this spectacle and is filled with disgust. She's dirty, immoral, certainly unclean. It's her sort that has got Israel carried off into exile in the past. It's her sort that brings God's judgment. She deserves to be kicked out of his home. She deserves to be punished. She deserves to die. How can Jesus not see this? He clearly isn't tuned in to God's standards. He doesn't know what this woman has been up to, how filthy, how unclean she is. If he did, he would not let himself become contaminated by her uncleanliness. There's no way that Jesus can be a real prophet in Simon's eyes. See, for Simon, this woman is an offense, but maybe even more so is the offense of forgiveness. And Luke gives us the key to understanding this scene. The offense of forgiveness that Simon witnesses is too much for him to bear. 
There should be judgment in his eyes. Jesus should be tough on sin, tough on her. Let's get these unclean people separated from us. Keep ourselves clean. He's treating her as if her sins don't matter. What does it mean that Jesus seems to know this woman? In what context does Jesus know her? To forgive her is a total scandal. It is an offense. For Simon, who has worked so hard to live a righteous life, what motivation would there be for living that good life if there's forgiveness for free? This offense of forgiveness totally devalues all the good work that Simon has invested his life in. And as we read the passage, we see Jesus knowing exactly the turmoil that Simon is in. And so he opens up this public declaration of a parable. And he tells not only Simon, but the gathered crowd, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? As Jesus teaches this parable, he exposes the basis of love, a recognition of who you are and of what has been done for you. And don't just love the bank manager in the story. Still a week until payday, how magic would it be to get that type of call? Your credit card, your loans, your mortgage, your university fees, they're all sorted out, all paid off. Wouldn't that be amazing? The principle is simple. If someone forgives you, you'll love them. If they forgive you a lot, you'll love them a lot. Even Simon concedes this. And this lady certainly loves Jesus a lot. Her outrageous courage, her tears, her affection for Jesus make all of that crystal clear. So Jesus can say with confidence that her sins are forgiven. And Jesus is holding up a mirror for Simon and expecting that he will see himself in the mirror as he really is. Simon, you too are one of these debtors. You are just as much in need of having your debt repaid as the other person. Simon can't see that. Compared to this filthy woman, he sees himself as clean, as wonderful. It's the trick of comparison. It's the real trick of morality. We see ourselves and we say, at least we're not like them. We're not as guilty as they are. We watch the news of the collapsed trial of a murdered prison officer. The guilty man is appalling compared to us. ISIS terrorists, abusers, They're evil beyond compare, compared to us. We watch the news and we allow ourselves off the hook. We're better than them. I'm more tolerant. I'm more enlightened. I'm more hospitable. 
I'm even going on a mission team. I must be better than the rest of those people who don't bother. No. Jesus holds a mirror up to each one of us and shows us, you, Dave Gray, are as much in need of having your debts repaid as all of these. And that's true of all of us. Forgiveness given generously to me, to you, is ridiculous. It's foolish. It's the foolishness of the cross. When Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven, this lady grabs at that offer with all her being and her resources. The miracle of the gospel And the guests realize how unlikely and how incredible that grace is. So much more so that they talk amongst themselves and say, who is this who even forgives sins? It's only Jesus. Simon's attitude to the woman exposes his heart. It's always been that way. Difficult people have the habit of exposing our hearts. And Jesus says to us, if you look down on others, you love little because you understand so little of your own sin and of my grace that has been poured into you. The gap between Simon and the woman It's not just how she viewed Jesus. It's also how she viewed herself. Simon has no sense of forgiveness because he has no sense of his own need. The lady, on the other hand, was defined by her brokenness. It's clear to her that she is a complete mess. But she finds in Jesus someone who loves her. And accepts her anyway. God's grace extended to others by us must start with a clear view of God's grace extended to me first. When we speak to anyone of the Lord, it can only be as one sinner speaking to fellow sinners. As one broken human being talking to another broken person. If that is not our attitude, if that is not how we speak of faith, then all people hear is patronizing words, gracelessness, conceit. And where our message should be heard, let me introduce you to Jesus. Rather, it will be heard as, become like me. Our posture needs to be one of dependence. That is what all disciples of Jesus are called to be. We share this lady's assurance too of where she stands, of her forgiveness. 
The cross kindles and rekindles our love of Jesus. It is the cross and the resurrection of Jesus that give us the assurance that allow us to stand in that place of grace. So we can join with Paul and say, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The cross is our assurance. Now, which one of those people in the parable will love him more? The one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus says to Simon. Jesus holds the mirror up to us this morning and every morning. Look and see who you have been. Dave Gray, your sins are like scarlet. They're as red as crimson. That's all of us, even the best of us. Your sins are like scarlet. They're as red as crimson. But here this morning and every morning, the love of Jesus steps into that moment. Hear his words. Come now. Let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your skins are like scarlet, I'll make them as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, I will make them as white as wool. His forgiveness and his love transform. His love and forgiveness makes us whole. Can there be any doubt that God really does care? The cross of Jesus stands as an eternal reminder that he does. Do you? Do I care? The focus of our hearts should be like this lady. First and foremost on Jesus. We love him because he first loved us. So today as we leave this place, what does that mean? It means that we are called, because of that love that we know, to give him the best of ourselves, the best of our thinking time, the best of our active time, the best of our money, the best of our ambitions, our hopes and dreams. We love him, in other words, with all our hearts and our souls and our minds and our strength. We pour out the best of ourselves onto the least of these. For in doing so, we are doing it to Jesus. Jesus observed this lady. May he also observe in us. Their sins are many. But they are forgiven as his and her great love has shown. And we take that with us this morning as we leave and give that body as we live our lives in worship and adoration of our Lord. Amen.